Hello and welcome to Range Talk. I'm Cody. I'm your host. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all the love and support. You guys are helping grow the show much faster than I thought was possible. You guys are super supportive. With the topic and subject matter that I cover in these shows, I'm going against the algorithm in every possible way. We're covering things that big tech and big media are trying to suppress. And only because of your guys' word of mouth, the show continues to grow. So thank you guys for the love and support. I know I thank you guys every episode. It's because I truly am thankful. If you're new to the show, thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy the show, you get anything out of it, please tell a friend. Today I'm going to be covering a topic that is extremely misunderstood. Today I'm going to be telling you guys the history of the AR-15. The AR-15 may be one of the most misunderstood items, definitely weapons, ever in history. There's a lot of negative propaganda and misinformation around the AR-15 that tries to steer people away from it or make it look more dangerous than it really is. Now, when I say more dangerous than it really is, I understand all guns are dangerous. All guns have destructive power if used in the wrong hands and not directed correctly. But the things that politicians say now on um, television, they just give the AR-15 superpower abilities that it doesn't actually have. They, they even change what the name means. They assign different meanings to it. And people that aren't really in the know may not understand what they're being lied to about. So today I want to cover kind of the history of it and kind of flush some of those things out. So if you don't know, now you will. And if you thought you already know, maybe you'll learn a thing or two here and there. To start with, AR does not stand for assault rifle or automatic rifle. AR stands for Armalite Rifle, the company that created this platform. Assault rifle stems from a word in German that was used in World War II propaganda posters and later applied to military-style weapons. This should not be confused with the term assault weapon, which is a legal term for a specific class of illegal firearms during the years of 1994 to 2004. The Armalite Company started in the early 1950s in Hollywood, California. The company was founded by George Sullivan, who worked as a patent counsel for the Lockheed Corporation. Today, it's known as Lockheed Martin. The small arms company received its funding from the Fairchild Engine and Airplane Corporation, the company that would soon become Fairchild Republic, which is a major manufacturer of military aircraft for the U.S. military. Originally, the company focused on weapons designs rather than the manufacture of weapons. Instead of producing the weapons themselves, Armalite focused on designing them. The chief architect behind Armalite's weapons designs was Eugene Stoner, a young man in his 30s with a knack for weapons design. Sullivan quickly promoted Stoner to the position of chief design engineer for Armalite. In 1954, the first weapon design from Armalite was produced the AR-5. This bolt-action rifle with a 22 Hornet round was developed as a survival rifle for the flight crew in the U.S. Air Force. 
The United States Air Force needed a rifle that would be lightweight and compact enough to stow away on an airplane survival kit. The Air Force adopted the AR-5, calling it the MA-1, adopting it for regular use in 1956. The AR-5 came apart, which let you stow it away, and it would even float, which made it ideal during water landings. The AR-5 put Armalite on the map, giving them the credibility that they needed to develop new firearm innovations. Many early designs were civilian survival weapons like the AR-7. Despite the company having the backing of the two largest military aircraft manufacturers, Armalite originally intended to focus on making civilian weaponry rather than craft weapons for the military. These early Armalite designs were built to be taken apart into pieces and put back together, making it something that could be stored on an aircraft or in a vehicle for emergency survival situations. In 1955, the United States military decided it was time to get rid of the M1 Garand. The M1 Garand only held eight rounds and it weighed over 10 and a half pounds, which made it extremely heavy and very limited on ammo. Armalite came to the race to design the military's next rifle, introducing the AR-10 into the mix alongside the Springfield T-44 and T-48. The company only had time to show the military two hand-built models based on their fourth AR-10 prototype. The AR-10 prototypes were designed with a straight stock, elevated sights, an aluminum flash suppressor, a recoil compensator, and a gas system. Most of the military had positive things to say about the AR-10. It was lightweight, and many testers thought it was one of the best rifles they'd ever shot. Unfortunately, the barrel could not pass the torture test without bursting under pressure. Although Armalite quickly introduced a steel barrel to counteract this damage, it was too late. Springfield Armory advised the military to not adopt the AR-10 rifle because they reported that it would take five or more years of testing to bring the weapon up to date. So instead, the military chose the T-44, known as the M-14, which was adopted in 1957. In 1959, Armalite finally catches a break, striking a deal with Colt. The company manages to sell both of the AR-10 and AR-15 designs to Colt Firearms for $75,000. At this point, Robert Fremont, who had been one of the major players on the design team for both weapons, heads over to Colt to help oversee production. At this time, the AR-7 gets launched full-scale, marketed as a civilian survival rifle, although it also saw some military use. The AR-15 weapons were sold by Colt to the Federation of Malaya, modern-day Malaysia. In 1961, at this time, Eugene Stoner leaves the Armalite company, taking a position as a consultant at Colt. Around the same time, the United States Air Force tests the AR-15 and commissions 8,500 of them for Air Force use. With the AR-15 in the hands of the Air Force, a standard model of the rifle is born and they dub it the M16, the most famous service weapon in United States military history. General Curtis Lee May saw a demonstration of the AR-15 in 1960. Impressed by the proudness of this new firearm, when General Lee May becomes Air Force Chief of Staff in the summer of 1961, he placed an order for 80,000 AR-15s for the U.S. Air Force. In 1961, 
10 AR-15s were sent to South Vietnam as the United States continued to penetrate into the jungles of Indochina. Despite a great deal of success, the U.S. Army wasn't enthusiastic about adopting the new rifle. Although tests after tests were ordered, even demanding the attention of the president, John F. Kennedy, there were two things that were clear. The first, the United States was outmatched and outgunned by the AK-47 in South Vietnam. And second, the U.S. Army was too rigid and opposed to change to replace the clearly inferior M14. Despite the continued resistance, production problems with the M14 forced the hands of Robert McNamara, the U.S. Secretary of Defense. The United States needed a rifle that could be used in all four branches of service, and the M16 was this weapon. The military selected Colt to manufacture the new American automatic rifle. The company began producing a military-grade version of the AR-15 it had purchased from Armalite, known as this M16. It would soon become standard issue for troops in the Vietnam War. Emboldened by the success of the M16, Colt ramped up production of AR-15s available for law enforcement and civilian consumers. During the Vietnam War, the AR-15 did have some issues. The AR-15 M16 was sold as a self-cleaning gun. This meant that the rifle didn't get cleaned by the soldiers and it kept jamming. Most often it would have a problem to failure to extract the cartridge where it gets stuck in the chamber. So the rifle came with a few problems and it was remarketed and it came out with a comic book outlining on how to clean and take care of the rifle. This new remarketed version was known as the M16A1. Russia's AK-47 and Colt's AR-15 became the two leading models of semi-automatic military-style rifles in the 60s and 70s. Thanks to U.S. law, civilians had access only to the semi-automatic version of this rifle. In 1977, a patent on the AR-15's gas system expired, allowing other manufacturers to develop AR-15-style rifles. Since that time, Sales of military-style semi-automatic weapons have exploded. But in 1994, President Bill Clinton signed an assault weapons ban, which outlawed the sale of AR-15s and other similar semi-automatic rifles for 10 years. After that ban expired, gunmakers quickly brought AR-15-style rifles back to the forefront. In less than a decade, from 2004 to 2013, the number of rifles, including AR-15 style rifles manufactured in the United States, increased threefold to 4 million rifles. The sales of AR-15 rifles have soared with political debates over gun regulations in the news, often in the wake of a mass shooting or during contentious election cycles. Today, the AK-47 and AR-15 style rifles are the two most common weapons on the battlefields. Their civilian counterparts remain among the best-selling guns in America. In 2016, AR-15-style rifles accounted for nearly 61% of all rifle sales. It's reported that over 15 million Americans own AR-15s today. Several states have enacted their own bans on sales of AR-15-style weapons, including California, Connecticut, New York, and Maryland, and several of these laws have been upheld by the federal courts. The Supreme Court 
has yet to weigh in on whether Americans have a Second Amendment right to own firearms like the AR-15-style weapon. But for now, the AR-15 and its other variants continue to be loved and loathed and sold in vast numbers. So as we've learned from this story, AR does not stand for assault rifle or automatic rifle. The 15 does not stand for it shoots 15 rounds a second. It doesn't mean any of these things. I've heard politicians say things like an AR-15 shoots a 50 caliber bullet, a uh, 100 a second, and that's just ridiculous. The, the politics and the media have given these tools superpower-like abilities that they could never possibly possess. I don't believe that the politicians actually have a problem with the AR-15 itself. I just feel like they think that's an easy target to go after because if somebody isn't familiar with guns and they don't really know a whole lot about them, they may look at the AR-15 and say, well, I've seen that in movies and I've seen that in military pictures and I know that AR must stand for assault rifle or automatic rifle and it fits with what the media can portray in a very easy way. If the media tried to go after bolt action guns, they'd have a pretty tough time selling that to the uneducated public because they would see that type of rifle and think, oh, well, that goes that goes with deer hunting. Elmer Elmer Fudd has one of those types of rifles. So that's not that's not a weapon of war. If they picked another semi-automatic weapon like the Mini-14 that looks more like a hunting gun but is very capable just like an AR-15, the average person would still think, well, that kind of looks like a a hunting gun that that doesn't really look scary. It's not all painted black and it's not in Rambo and these other crazy movies. So with that, the the media and politicians have really gone after the AR-15. It's also been used in some mass shootings, which is horrible. But if you go back a few episodes ago and you you listen to my episode, The Truth About Gun Violence, you'll see that, yes, these have been used in mass shootings, but the total account of damage that the AR-15 has caused is, is a very small, small percentage of gun violence all around the country. Like I always say, we don't have a gun problem. We have an education problem. We have a mental health problem. And that's what we really need to focus on. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for all the support. Don't forget to go on Instagram and uh, look us up, Range Talk Podcast. If you're on iTunes, go on the app, rate us a five-star, leave me a little review. If you're on Spotify, leave me a little five-star. And until next time, later. Later.